Welcome back to Your Brain on Weird. I'm Jess. And I'm Sam. And this is our uh, smaller episode called A Little Weird, where we pick smaller topics that don't necessarily cover an entire episode and talk about them. And sometimes we read listener stories. Yes. So uh, I know you have two. Yes. I have one. So do you want to do, do you want to like do yours first and then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Sick. So I'll do my shorter one first. Um, this is one that we've had on our list and I really like it, but there's like no information on it. So this is, um, the quick story of the Hadley witch. So she's buried in Hadley Cemetery in Hadley, Massachusetts. Her real name is Mary Webster. She was, um, born in England and then her parents moved to Springfield, Massachusetts, and then she married... What the fuck is this guy's name? William Webster. And they moved to Hadley in 1670. Oh, gosh. To give you an idea of how long ago this was. Yeah. So, the Websters never had children. And in 1683, when Mary Webster was approximately 60 years old, she was accused and brought to trial for being a witch and suspicion of practicing witchcraft in um, Boston. So they found her not guilty, and she was cleared of charges. And then the next year, a local judge, deacon, uh, representative hypochondriac of Hadley. Representative hypochondriac. That is a title. Yeah. And um, he personally accused... Oh, his name was Philip Smith. And he personally accused Mary of, like, cursing him and being in collaboration with the devil. Okay, where's their evidence for all of this? Like, she doesn't have kids? Is yeah. that it? Yeah, basically. God so, damn it. So, <laughs> he, like, got sick. He's, like, sick. He's ill. And he thinks it's oh. because Mary is, like, cursing him. Of I course. Guess, you know? <laughs> right? So, everyone's, like... No, dude, like, she's not a witch, but he's like, she's a witch! So a couple of his buddies go to her house in the middle of the night. They drag her out of her bed, they bring her outside of her house, and they fucking hang her. And they think she's dead, but just in case, they bury her body in the snow. And then they left... And Philip Smith is like, oh, my God, this is the first night where I've gotten sleep in a really long time. And she fucking wakes up the next morning and just, like, basically, like, brushes herself off and, like, (laughs) is fine and is alive. And she dies, like, she dies, like, 25 years later. Oh, my God. But the guy who accused her, Philip Smith, died the next day. Died the day after they tried to hang her? Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, so... <laughs> if So if she wasn't if she wasn't a witch, that means that either her ancestors were looking out for her, or this is just, like, an insane coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's all, like, very strange, and, oh, man, it's so good. I love that. Holy shit. So they didn't even, like, bury her, bury her. They just, like, covered no. her with snow. Yeah, they just put her in the snow. Okay. Um, because it was, like, the middle of winter, obviously. Um, <laughs> so whether or not she was actually a witch or not, it's a really fucking funny story. And then um, 
One other fact that I learned from this um, as I went through this Wikipedia page, which is very short, by the way. Um, Margaret Atwood, who Ooh. wrote um, The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Dedicated that book to her. Oh, to wow. Mary. To Mary Webster. Wow. Yeah, because um, Margaret Atwood uh, like traced it back and Mary is actually one of her ancestors. Wow. And wrote a poem called Half Hanged Mary. So oh my God. I thought that was a pretty cool like second fact. That is really cool. Yeah. Wow. So that's the story of alleged witch Mary Webster. <laughs> I love that. That's insane. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So mine is uh mine is a little a little bit long, I think. I don't know. We'll see how fast I talk. But I kind of wanted to take us back to episode 11 when we talked about Albert Rosales's Index of Humanoid Encounters. Oh, that yeah. whole thing. Um, you remember how I brought up the Highgate Vampire sighting? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's this whole separate story, but we'll touch on it later. I decided, like, I was going to dive into the whole he- the Highgate Vampire story. Yes. Sick. That sighting that we that was in Rosales's Index was from the 1920s. This whole scenario didn't start until the 1960s. So I'm not really sure like what happened in that 40 year span. But so in 1963, a young couple was walking at night down Swain's Lane, which is next to Highgate Cemetery. They saw a tall, dark figure floating on the other side of the fence. And it had a really scary, like contorted face. He was floating? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, ooh. Off to a good start already. Later in that same year, two 16-year-old girls were walking down Swain's Lane, that same road, and witnessed ghosts rising from their graves. Like, they looked over and just saw them all, like, coming up out of their graves. Oh, damn. In that same year, a man claimed to have seen the same figure climbing over the gates while walking his dog. So, like, he's walking his dog down the street and he just sees this thing, like, climbing over the gates. Um, And he described it as moving, like, black treacle which I looked it up and it's basically molasses. Yeah. Which kind of like reminds reminds me of No Face when he like loses his shit and spirited away and he's right, just and like, he's just like bo- bo- gooping around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds terrifying to see that coming yeah. out of the cemetery at you. Oh my God. Like, With a scary face? I don't think that one had a scary face. I think it was just like a oh, weird well. looking guy, but I don't know. So That doesn't make it better, I think. No, no. It's, Yeah. Don't need a face to be a climb over walls like molasses. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yes, in in Halloween of 1968, so like five years later, there was a report that went out on the London Evening News that a coffin in Tottenham Park Cemetery has had been found quote disturbed. An iron stake had been driven through the lid and into the chest of the corpse. The coffin had been opened and the body inside had been, like, moved around. Weird. Flowers which had been taken from other graves were found arranged in circular patterns with arrows pointing to another uncovered grave. Um, The perpetrators were never found, but it was assumed it had been a group of young people who had been interested in the occult. Interesting. Possibly Satanists. Yes, of course. Some believed they had revived the vampire that had been buried inside. By accident or? And they're like, oh shit, let's stake it. I I think they definitely thought that these Satanists had gone into the cemetery and done some kind of crazy ritual and revived revived this vampire, I guess. Um, so yeah. Huh? Um, December 24th of 1969, David Ferrant, a young, a young occultist and Wicca enthusiast, 
wrote into the Hampstead and Highgate Express. He claimed that he had seen a gray figure while camping out in the cemetery and asked if others had seen anything similar. So he was like literally camping out in the cemetery because he's like looking. He's like looking for stuff. That sounds like some shit we'd pull. A typical occult, young occultist and quote, Wiccan enthusiast. Wiccan enthusiast. Hilarious. So he like wrote in and was like, hey, has anyone else seen something? And a whole bunch of people replied like a week after that was published. Um, and they described a variety of ghosts that had been seen at the cemetery and at Swain's Lane right next to it. Swain's Lane. Swain's Lane. The descriptions include included a tall man in a hat, a spectral cyclist, a woman in white, a face glaring through the bars of the gate, a figure wading into a pond, a pale gliding form, bells ringing, and voices and voices calling out. All of that sounds awful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the ensuing publicity was enhanced by a growing rivalry between David Ferrant and a British author and an exorcist named Sean Manchester. Manchester was slash is a self-proclaimed vampire hunter and bishop of the old Catholic Church. Interesting. Manchester and Farron each appeared in the press and on television talking about their plans to hunt down and destroy the vampire. So anyway, there was a, a broadcast on TV early in the morning of Friday the 13th of that year. Um, Manchester claimed that he was going to hold an exorcism that night. Okay. And within two hours of the broadcast going out, a mob of, quote, hunters from all over London and surrounding areas swarmed the cemetery. So they're, like, jumping over the gates. They're jumping over the walls, like, into the locked cemetery to be like, yeah, like, exorcism, vampire hunting. They're, like, freaking out. So So that whole thing happened. There's not really, like, any other details. Like, whether they did anything while they were there. Um, So in... August of 1970, the charred and headless remains of a woman were found near the catacombs. There were also reports that several animals were found dead, drained of blood with cuts in their throat. So what is the char- what what is that dead woman have anything to do with this story? I have no idea. Like that was just a random thing that was thrown in. Um but essentially the police like attributed all of this to black magic. And so when they got these reports, they were like, it's black magic, it's the vampires. And you're like, nah, it's just some crazy dude who murdered this woman. Okay, well, Um, anyways. (laughs) So like, it's just hysteria. It's just like insanity. In 1971, a year after, a young girl claimed that she had been attacked on Swain's Lane. She had been on her way home when she was suddenly thrown to the ground with tremendous, tremendous force by a, quote, tall black figure with a deathly white face. At that moment, a car conveniently stopped to help her, and the vampire vanished in the glare of the headlamps. Yikes. Later that month, David Ferrant was found in the churchyard near Highgate Cemetery carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. Uh, he was arrested, and there's like li- there's like literally a picture of him like in the cemetery, like holding the stake and the crucifix. So he's like he's like kind of like famous for it. Um, he's kind of like famous for being arrested for doing that. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's um, so dumb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So a few days after he was arrested, uh, Sean Manchester went to the cemetery. And he claimed that he and some, quote, companions forced open the doors of a vault, which had been found by his psychic helper. Mm-hmm. There was a body in that vault that had somehow been transferred there from the catacombs. And they were like, this is the body we have to go after. It's a vampire. 
So they had lifted the lid off of the coffin, and apparently he's about to drive the stake into the body when one of his friends is like, no, don't do it. And he's like, okay. So he shuts the coffin, and he leaves some garlic and some incense in the vault, and they just leave. Um, this comes from his book, by the way. So... <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, in his book, he also claimed that at one point he had entered a vampire's lair, where it then transformed into a giant spider, and he stabbed it with a stake and set it on fire with gasoline. Okay. Yeah. He sounds insane, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it, gets, it gets more insane. Great. Yep. So, rumors later spread about a, quote, magician's duel that was scheduled on Friday the 13th of 1973 between Manchester and Ferent. <laughs> Which never happened, uh, unfortunately. Wow, that is so sad. Yeah, right? I would have loved to have just seen that. Like, mm -hmm. Be like, yeah, you guys go for it. Yeah. Uh, in 1974, Ferrant was arrested for damaging memorials and interfering with remains. Um, he did claim that Satanists had done it. And he admitted to having voodoo dolls of two of the police officers. Which, why are you... <laughs> I have so many questions about this because why are you, why do you have voodoo dolls? <laughs> what? So not only is he a vampire hunter, but he also practices voodoo. Apparently. And he's a Wicca enthusiast. Yeah. And he says all cops are bastards. So let's make these voodoo dolls police. I guess so. <laughs> but this was, so he, this is the second time he was arrested. He was arrested before for the whole like standing in the cemetery with the crucifix and whatever. So that's like a weird little aside. Um, so this is like, this whole story is like honestly really funny to me because it ends up just being like a whole saga between Manchester and Farron. They're like riding back and forth and they're constantly like going on TV and talking about the vampire. Um, they're like battling about what really happened. There's like this whole, like whole rivalry. They're like chucking insults at each other. Like, it ended up being this whole thing. They're in love. When they're mean to you, it means they like you. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, so this whole thing ended up being, like, there were more embellishments that continued on, you know, after this whole vampire thing, um, including word that it was the king of vampires that they were looking for and that he had practiced black magic. Ooh, upgrade. Yeah. Wait, who's black practicing black magic now? It's the vampire. Not... Okay. Whoever this vampire is. Okay. So it's like this whole media sensation. There's like newspaper claims. Um, Sean Manchester wrote books. Um, there's like this whole feud that continued on. So when Manchester published his book, The Highgate Vampire in 1985, Ferrant countered with Beyond the Highgate Vampire in 1991. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> So this whole thing continued on for, like, decades until um, Ferrant unfortunately died in April of 2019, like a year wow. ago. Wow. Recently. Yeah, very recently. Um, <clears throat> so there was, like, a Vice article about him. Apparently, David had become a Wiccan high priest during the 1960s, and he continued to practice throughout his life. Um, in the 1978 general election, David Ferrant ran in Hornsey in London as the sole candidate for his own Wicca Workers' Party, which had a platform of free sex and nudity, restoring the Wiccan creed, outlawing communism, question mark, establishing state brothels, 
restoring true power to the monarchy and leaving the EU common market. All of those sound terrible. Where are you getting your values from, dude? I'm, it's kind of just a mis- mishmash of like all these random things. Like the platform of free sex and nudity is kind of like, okay. Sure, I guess. So yeah, anyway. Uh, he was also involved in, a, in the distribution of a line of comics called The Adventures of Bishop Bonkers with, with accompanying Bishop Bonkers merchandise. That's so funny. Guess who that was making fun of? <laughs> hmm, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> so that's David Farron. Um, rest his soul. So Sean Manchester, on the other hand, on top of being on top of being a vampire hunter, an exorcist, and a bishop, apparently might also be a Nazi. So, oh. <laughs> um, okay. I don't. Interesting. There was a bunch of pictures that went up of. Like, I guess some room, like typical, some room in his house just like filled with Nazi paraphernalia. Um, I don't know how true that is. I didn't look too far into it. Uh, just hearing that is enough for me to be like, okay. Yikes. So, so just that's just something to be aware of. Um, he apparently loves to get into arguments and like internet feuds with people, like in general, which is pretty typical. That, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. But, I read a couple articles, and apparently he doesn't really like to give interviews anymore. He doesn't like to talk to people. Um, and the reason why is because after David Ferrant died, he decided that it wasn't fair for him to continue berating him with all these insults and things without him being able to come back and defend himself. That's weirdly sweet. So he actually wrote, he wrote this, like, obituary for him. Um, and it's actually really sweet. So <laughs> I'll just read like, it's on like a website. Um, it's like David obituary.blogspot.com. He wrote it like on his blog. Um, so I'm just going to read like the first intro part. And if you guys want to go look at it, it's like pretty nice. Um, okay. <clears throat> so it says obituary. This obituary is purposefully concise to avoid speaking ill of the dead. I could say so much more, needless to say, but I feel there is no need. It has all been said. And what point is there in uttering what could have been said about a man I knew better than most at a time when it mattered after he is gone? All I can say is that, not unlike some other folk, he did not resemble the persona he painted of himself to the world. I feel he could have been more, much more. The persona devoured him and almost became him in the end. Yet I remember who he really was, and moreover, could have been. Underneath all that camouflage, which probably acted as a barrier, he was naturally shy and nervous. I will address any inquiries in the comments section that members of the public might wish to raise. Sincerely, Sean Manchester. Weird. Yeah. So after he after this guy died, he just like he's like I got nothing else. He's to like say I'm all set. Him. Yeah, like, yeah. And like there was, I mean, I'm I'm sure it was almost like two trolls. Like they're just trolling each other. They're just like making fun of each other. And like I'm sure at one point to them it just started being really fun. Yeah. And yeah. yeah so so yeah. So this all happened in the late '60s and the '70s. Um, it contributed to this whole hysteria around vampires, the satanic panic, all that crap. Um, but basically it started with a bunch of hauntings around this cemetery and the surrounding area and people finding like open graves. Weird. Okay. So it's probably still insanely haunted. Probably. But it did start this huge feud between these two guys that ended up just like blowing everything up. (laughs) 
And it's, like, really fucking funny. It's so good. Yeah, it's like an old-timey rivalry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have mad respect for that. I don't have mad respect for the fact that he's a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one thing that I'm kind of, like... What's his name? Sean Manchester? Sean Manchester. Yeah, if you you look him up, he's, like, pretty easy to find. Um, Yes, I see that. Yeah. Sean Manchester Nazi, question mark? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I guess I don't know. That was a while. That was a while ago that that came out. So yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, who knows if it was even real? It was like something that somebody just randomly posted, and he he did like defend himself with it. But he, the way that he defended himself was saying like, "I'm not the Nazi. You're the Nazi." Apparently, uh, here we go. It's on his Wikipedia page. The Nazi room. In 2012, a man named Kevin Shushim published photos of a room in Manchester's home, which he described as a massed amount of Nazi paraphernalia, framed photographs of goose-stepping Nazis and German officers giving the Hitler salute, swastikas on the walls, and most strikingly, a photograph of Adolf Hitler in pride of place. I don't know what that means. I'm assuming, like, um, just huge. <laughs> A former friend of Manchester, Tresham, says he photographed the room by, oh, he was photographed in the room by the bishop's wife as a form of blackmail insurance. Manchester had issued a counterblog claiming that his historical military collection hobby had been misrepresented and vilifying Chesham as the real Nazi. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's not a very funny. good defense, <laughs> but... <laughs> anyway, so fu- fuck Nazis. If Sean Manchester is, in fact, a Nazi, fuck him. Uh, but at least we got a good story out of it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, also, I looked up his book, and it's selling for $130 on Amazon, first of all. And Ew, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I'm assuming probably because of all this, it's like famous, you know, and the reviews were not very great. Yikes. That checks out. It had like two stars. It's um, like, hey, this is a really expensive book and it's bad. It's yeah, just well, actually to provide to prevent people from actually reading it. Yeah, that's probably true. But also, like, if you think about like the stories that I told you that came out of it, like it's very fictional. It's yeah, not it like is. he's actually, like, I don't think he's actually telling the story of what actually happened. He's just like, I went into this lair and I killed this spider with a stake that was a vampire. And you're like, yes, that checks out. I did that last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Me so too. relatable. <laughs> so dumb, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very oh, good. <laughs> that's the Highgate vampire. Wow. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. We have one more story, but we're just at about half an hour. Do you want to continue? Yeah, because I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut a little bit out. Sick. That's All right. Um, this could have been a longer story, but I don't really think it warrants it. Um, so, and you already know this story. This is the the story of Barney and Betty Hill. Oh yeah. Who are an American <gasps> couple claimed to be the very first extraterrestrial abduction on September nineteenth, nineteen sixty one. Oh, yeah. I've been to the gas station. Yeah, they actually uh, spruced it up recently. I saw it on um, a New Hampshire page that I follow. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It was pretty rough last time I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a kind of like a nice little sign now. And I was like, interesting. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the Hills lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, and 
Barney worked for the USPS, which was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the USPS. Yes. Save USPS. Buy stamps. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> they also have really cute costumes if you have a small dog. Oh. Just saying. <laughs> Little post office costumes are pretty cute. Um, and Betty Hill was a social worker. So they're two, like, pretty down-to-earth people. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. They are also um, an interracial couple. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was really, really uncommon at this time in the United States. Obviously, the early 60s, um, Barney was black and Betty was white. And they were also... They were also an active active members of the local Unitarian Universalist Church. Hell yeah. So it's pretty cool. But they're that like is pretty, pretty cool. you know, down to earth people. They were um so so their report happened on the night of September nineteenth, nineteen sixty one. Again. Um, and it's around ten thirty PM and the Hills are driving back home to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls. Which is pretty cool. It's not that far away from New Hampshire. It's, like, probably, like, a five-hour drive. Mm-hmm. But as they're on their way home, just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, Betty claims to have observed a bright point of light in the sky that, you know, was moving along, and she thought it was a falling star until it started to go up. <laughs> yeah. So they had their dog in the car. <gasps> and her name is Delcy. <laughs> Interesting. Which is such a cute name. That is really cute. So she's like, maybe we should pull over and fucking look at that star real quick. But also, like, Delcy has to go pee. So, like, let's just pull over to this little rest stop on U.S. Route 3. So um, they, like, get out of the car. Betty's, like, looking through binoculars. And <gasps> she sees an odd-shaped craft flashing multiple colored lights um and it's like flying in front of the moon and it's like coming towards them and it's fucking like getting bigger (gasps) and as soon as they realize that it's like coming towards them they fucking get back in their car and start driving yeah yeah yeah. and um so they are driving towards franconia notch which we are very familiar with. Yes, I love Franconia Notch. Yeah, so they're, like, driving out where, like, the old man in the mountain was, and they see this fucking thing fly right in front of Cannon Mountain. Um, wow, I didn't know that was where it was. Yeah, and she's, and so Betty was like, it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which is 40 feet long. And it seemed to be rotating in the sky. Oh. Oh. Okay, weird. So, they're still going. It's like a little bit while later. And they the, the craft is still coming towards them. And now it is, in fact, so close that they have to pull over to the side of the road. Because it's bright. Like, they can't fucking see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like in the entire... It's like taking up his entire like view of the windshield, basically. So he stops. And it's like hovering like 100 feet above their heads. And they, like, look up into the window of this craft, and they see 10 or 11 humanoid figures staring out the window at them. What? Okay. 
And then Barney is the one who gets out of the car and he's like looking and like making eye contact with one of these humanoid people, people, things, things. And he hears a message in his brain and it says, stay where you are and keep looking. Okay. These fucking humanoid figures, they like um, are wearing like glossy black uniforms. Swag. Like, they're all, they got, like, little hats on. They all look very fancy. And, um, like, a platform comes down. And they come down, like, towards towards the car, right? Mm-hmm. And Barney's like, um, I don't really know what what they are, but they were somehow not human. Yeah. Like, they just, yeah. they just didn't look right. So he sees these fucking people, like, coming out towards him and he gets back in the car and fucking drives the other way yeah 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 that's probably what i would have done too uh, to be quite honest yeah dude same i was just like he's just like i'm out of here no nope, fuck this no nope, nope. <laughs> so they're driving along and then um they start hearing this like rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing which is like making the car vibrate and like they feel like a tingling sensation and like just as they're like trying to go away and um then it's gone and then they like they're just like oh shit okay like i guess it went away until they realized they had traveled 35 miles down the road in what seemed like a second oh time slip time slip record scratch noise yeah so they like they're like, I don't know what just happened for those 35 miles. We, like, fucking, like, got abducted by aliens. <laughs> oh, so weird. Uh, so basically that was that was it. And then the immediate aftermath, um, they, like, got home at dawn. They, like, had, like, weird impulses to, like, do things. Um, <laughs> Barney, like, said that he felt compelled to go and, like, check out his junk and make sure that it was like all okay and like all still there oh no he's <gasps> like yeah i like don't know why but like i needed to examine my genitals because i don't know oh. and like he scraped the toe of his best dress shoe like <sighs> they tore the binoculars like strap um and both of their watches were broken and never worked again. Oh, of course they were. Yeah, yeah. Of course they were. Wasn't, wasn't, uh, sorry, wasn't Betty's dress, like, all fucked up, too? Um. I thought somebody said that, like, Betty, like, something that happened to Betty's dress, and, like, her dress is, like, in a museum somewhere. Oh, 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 oh. yes. It's a little further down, so, um. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. Um, I just hadn't gotten to that part yet. So... They, like, take really long showers because they feel like they might be contaminated or something. Um, and they sleep for a couple hours. And then Betty, like, wakes up and um, takes her shoes and the dress that she was wearing. And she, like, goes to put them away. And she's like, oh, weird. Like, my dress is torn at the hem and on the zipper. Mm-hmm. And notice that when she hung the dress up, there was a pinkish powder covering her dress weird yeah so she like pulled it and she like shook it out and it like and it like was like powder like pink powder coming down and weird she like 
was like, this dress is like fucking irreparably damaged. Like I'm throwing it away. And then she was like, no, I don't think so. Maybe I should keep this dress. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. once this like, once this story blew up, um, they've had like um, five different laboratories conduct chemical and forensic analysis on, on the dress. But um, I don't know what it, what those <laughs> I don't know what, what the results were, were or whatever. Oh. What is maybe it's just one of those things oh, where it's like we okay. don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say anything what, about what they found, which is strange. And then the only other thing that they found were like shiny circles that were like on their trunk where they like felt like the bumping and the rattling. Oh. <laughs> and they were just like I would like imagine like a suction cup. You know, and they leave yeah. those, like circles, and then they like come off. And um, for whatever reason, they were like also like magnetically charged. So they like moved a compass like near the spots on the tr- on the trunk, and they would like the needle would move in different directions and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. So that was the actual thing. And then they reported it to Peace Air Force Base, which is um, down the street in New Hampshire as well. And then it basically, like, blew up, you know? Yeah. So they uh, got pretty famous for that, and they did some interviews and, like, all of this shit. <sighs> yeah. But I just think I think that the missing time part is just, like, the most crazy for Yeah. Me. I mean, that whole thing is very interesting because, like, you think about other reports – and, like, it's very similar to other reports. And this was one of the first ones. Yeah. So yeah. it makes you shink. Apparently, apparently when they did the analysis on the dress, I, I'm seeing the word external source in a lot of different places. Okay. Space dust. Where did it, what did it say? Hold on. Fabric is going Fabric was coated in a bio- biologically derived material, which is composed of mostly protein and a small amount of natural ester-type oil. Interesting. Yeah. This comes from theblackvault.com. Weird. So anyway, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, it's just, it's from an external source. Who knows? Yeah, so who knows what that powder was? Yeah. Um, so like that is all very strange, but um, the one one thing is that... um psychiatrists later suggested um so he so barney ended up dying um eight years later he died at 45 so he was pretty young wow um but psychiatrists suggested that it was actually just a joint hallucination brought on by being an interracial couple in the 1960s oh come on yeah because that's what okay yeah, we're so not even, Barney we're not was even already get into dead that. at this point, and Betty was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, no, like, we were in love, we were happy, like, our family and friends, like, didn't care, like, it wasn't a thing, and she's like, I can't believe you would even suggest that. Yeah, So I just, just thought that was really fucking stupid. Oh, that's that incredibly time. stupid. Oh, man. Yeah. Typical. Um, well, I don't yeah. think that was it. I don't think that was it either. So there's definitely a lot more information if you're interested in, like, pursuing this story more deeply. Um, They ended up doing, like, interviews. They did a couple, like, hypnotic sessions. Oh, cool. Things like that. But they really believed that they got abducted until, like, the day they died. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, like, most people who, like, 
claim that they've experienced that, like, hold on to that. Yeah, dude. I think that says a lot. Because if you're lying about something, if you have any form of, like, awareness, you're going to eventually be like, I'm lying about this. And you're going to tell somebody. You know what I mean? And you don't hear about that happening. No. I basically, no one ever goes back on their story to be like, oh, I just made this up. Like, ha, ha, ha. Because, like, you don't make stuff like that up usually. You're like, thanks, I was traumatized. Yeah. And, like, a lot of these stories are just, like, so, like, crazy. Like, you'd have to be insanely creative to think of some of this stuff, like, on your own. Yeah. And that, and, like, this particular story was, like, before, like, encounters were, like, widely known about. There wasn't Mm -hmm. much media about them. You know, this was, like, the first encounter that was, like, widely publicized, like, meaning, like, across more than one state kind of thing. And, like, so... There's, it's not like they were copying, like, down what they had heard or anything like that. Like, this mm-hmm. was, like, a fresh, fresh encounter for, like, them and yeah. life. And, like, that's so fucking crazy. Yeah. And, like, you can yeah. you can sit there and be like, oh, well, what if all the people who, like, say they were abducted after this happened just took their stories from that? And it's like, okay, I'm sure you could say that. Like, sure. I'm sure that happens. Like, I'm sure people pull, like, bits and pieces from things that they've heard and things, like things that they've read and shit. When, where do you draw the line between the same thing happening to multiple people and it actually happening to multiple people and them copying somebody else's story? Like, yeah. how do you know which one it is? You know, skeptics will always say that it's that, but yep. sometimes... I can't even, like, call myself a skeptic anymore, I don't I think. I can't either. I'm just like, yeah! <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we got to hear about some vampires today, some crazy rivalries, some ufos. Ufos. Some witches. Oh, this was a well-rounded experience. It was. It was a very well-rounded mm. episode. We mixed in some stuff. Mm. Some stuff. I think they're called UAPs now, aren't they? Unidentified aerial phenomena. Isn't that what they're calling it now? I'm pretty sure they're calling it something else Probably. now. Probably. I have <laughs> I don't know. I see it every once in a while oh, pop God, up. Oh, God, that's and... so funny. Yeah. Okay, well. Well, UAPs, then. <laughs> Wops. Wops. <laughs> Look at this wet-ass phenomena. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so thanks for listening to our little weird. I want to say this was just a little weird. But it was a lot of weird, I think. It was, it was a, a lot, lot of, weird. of weird crammed into. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nice. Uh, I'm Jess. And I'm Sam. Thanks for listening to A Little Weird. Bye. Bye. Bye.